Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Hey, everybody. That took you a while, Joe. Are you awake over there? That actually might be a connection thing, because I feel like I okay. responded right away. So, okay. Yeah, but but <laughs> I, I am a little dozy, so yeah. If, if I nod <laughs> off, just uh, pound the camera. And okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll wake up. And not to be forgotten, Andy Leonetti. <laughs> hey, guys. Hello. It's hot. It is. It's hot. I'm tired, too. I'm <laughs> yeah. tired of it being hot, and the heat is making me tired. Yes, I completely agree. Um yeah, it's been a tough week, <laughs> weather-wise. Um, so what are we talking about today? I'm also, yeah, I'm excited to regale our listeners with a hot topic. Hey, there you go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. One, another one that surely everyone can come together on and surely. find a path forward. I would hope. We're talking about immigration <laughs> and the border. Yes. 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 Something everyone agrees on. Finally, we cover a not contentious topic. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, immigration is something that uh, has very much been in the news lately, especially this week. We had a Supreme Court decision come out relating to temporary protected status. So we're going to talk about that and we'll get into uh, some other policies that are coming out and just some other immigration basics, too. It's going to be fun. I promise. It will be, actually. It'll, it'll be interesting, and uh, whatever your personal beliefs on the topic, we'll, we'll be respectful. So, yeah, stay tuned. I'll kick things off with the Supreme Court decision from this week. Uh, it was another, another unanimous one. I feel like we've had more of those this session than we normally do, or maybe that's just me. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's been, yeah. There's been a fair number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a, a short and sweet decision written by Justice uh, Justice Kagan. The background of this case is um, a couple from El Salvador who came to the U.S. in the 1990s, and they were granted temporary protected status and then applied to have an adjustment of status to be lawful permanent residents or to get a green card. So initially they were denied by USCIS because... They said that the requirements for getting temporary protected status did not equate to what you need to get a green card. And I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. And then as they went through the courts, it kind of kept flip-flopping back and forth. One district court said, no, this does qualify and you can get a green card. Others have not. It gets all the way up to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court had to sort of settle this split that has happened among the federal circuits. So I guess backing up a little bit, we've got two, two important immigration concepts going on here, temporary protected status and lawful permanent residency, which is often known as a green card. Temporary protected status, or TPS, is given to foreign nationals from specific countries. I believe there's 12 at the moment on the list. That is correct. Thank you. Thank you for fact-checking me. <laughs> <laughs> And so the, the countries on this list are chosen for specific reasons. The U.S. government has recognized that it's unsafe to live there. Usually it's some sort of humanitarian crisis, like an armed conflict or an environmental disaster. And so the people who come to the U.S. from those countries are able to get this temporary status where they can live and work in the U.S. legally. Those countries, the current countries that have some form of TPS, even if uh, it 
the status has expired, but it's been temporarily extended. So those 12 countries are Myanmar, El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Nepal, Nicaragua, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan, Syria, Venezuela, and Yemen. Indeed. Thank you, Andy. And so the issue that comes up and the reason why this went to the Supreme Court is because one of the requirements to get a green card is that you have to be inspected and admitted. And that's specifically what the statute says. And the courts have been split on whether the application that you do to get TPS meets that standard. For example, last year, the Eighth Circuit concluded that TPS does mean that someone has been lawfully admitted. They reasoned that an individual can't gain non-immigrant status, that you, which you do with TPS, without being inspected and admitted into the U.S. But on the other hand, uh, the Sixth Circuit and the Ninth Circuit have come to the opposite conclusion. And unanimously, the Supreme Court, they, they focused on a different part of the statute than what a lot of the courts have been looking at before, which defines admission to the U.S. as, quote, the lawful entry of the alien into the United States after inspection and authorization by an immigration officer. So that presents a problem for the couple in this case, as well as quite a few other people who are currently living with temporary protected status, because a lot of people will initially come into the United States illegally and then get TPS. And with this decision, those people now cannot get a green card because they weren't lawfully admitted. They they kind of they kind of put the onus on Congress yes. to update existing immigration laws, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, they so Justice Kagan wrote or pointed out specifically that lawful status and admission are two different things in immigration law. So even though someone who is a TPS beneficiary has lawful immigration status at that point, as the statute is written now, it's not the same as being lawfully admitted into the U.S. However, yeah, you bring up a really good point that that is something that Congress can change. So we'll see if that happens going forward. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's a response for everything. No, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, another shout out, another shout out to the world's greatest delivered yeah. body, the U.S. Senate. <laughs> I feel like we haven't used that phrase in a while. I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> that was a really good summary. And and so what the basically the result of the decision is that people who are here under the TPS status lawfully are not going to get kicked out, right? This isn't a right. matter of just, okay, you're, you're done. Mm -hmm. But what they can't do is they can't change their status to a permanent residence. They can't apply for permanent residency. And so their status is kind of up in the air moving forward like it has been for, for some time. Right. Yeah. And to be clear, to be able to then apply for citizenship, you have to have your green card. Yeah. First. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, those are kind of the basics of immigration, but figured we should all be on the same page with it. Yeah, it's a very complicated, confusing system. <laughs> so if I know the Biden administration has extended some TPS protections, essentially, though, if they were to let some of these protections lapse for people from some of these countries, they would then be subject to deportation, right? Mm -hmm. If they had come to the country illegally. Correct. Because even if you're admitted, even if you come into the country legally with TPS, mm -hmm. when that status expires, you are expected to go home. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole rationale for TPS is that it's not safe to go home right. because of environmental or 
there's a war going on or or some sort of atrocity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess that's why temporary is in the name. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. so, <laughs> yes. I'll get it eventually. I'll get it eventually. Now some but you know the status can last for quite some time. Yeah, there's no there's no limit on it. I believe it gets extended either 6 months or a year at a time, but there's no there's no limit on how many times a country can be extended to stay on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there have been, I know that there have been, you cannot come now from Liberia with TPS, but there are people from Liberia who have been living in the United States for a very long time mm-hmm. because they keep extending the status. And that was one of, that was one of Joe Biden's first immigration executive orders was extending the status for Liberians who came under TPS until 2022. Mm-hmm. Now, what would be, because I've noticed that as I was reading that list of countries that El Salvador and Honduras are on that list. And that is also, those two countries are probably also where a, I guess, I can't say for certain, but a large portion of uh, people coming to the southern southern border with Mexico are coming from, are coming from those two countries. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference between people who can get TPS and someone who, say, treks across Central America and then Mexico and gets to the border and wants to come in seeking asylum or... Sure. So actually, someone can apply for both TPS and asylum. So since um, El Salvador and Honduras are on the list, technically those people would qualify for both because the, the difference between the two is that TPS, we've got that specific list of countries, whereas asylum is... I guess a little bit more personal is a good way to think about it, where someone applying for asylum is either unwilling or unable to return to their home country because they face some sort of persecution based on their race, religion, political affiliation, things like that. So, yeah, there are situations where you could qualify for both. Okay. Yeah, so I guess one way to think about it is that everyone from a certain country can get asylum. Right. If I mean, I mean, they have to meet the criteria, of course, but, you know, anybody from Honduras can get TPS if they apply, they're eligible to apply for it. And Mm -hmm. there aren't other disqualifying factors, Mm -hmm. whereas asylum is a case by case basis. You come and you present yourself to the border. You say, I'm seeking asylum because, you know, a common reason is like uh, one of the drug cartels is after me or something like that. And Mm -hmm. and then you have to show that you're legitimately in fear for your life and you know mm-hmm. for whatever reason you really are being persecuted and it it's not safe for you to return home. Right. Okay. I think that's a good segue because sort of what's happening here with TPS and asylum there it's running into this kind of cold reality of what's actually transpiring on along the southern border mm-hmm. and what is continuing to happen in Central America which is that people are coming to the border in droves, mm-hmm. just in astronomically higher numbers than they were during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. To be fair to Joe Biden, border, attempted border crossings had started to increase early in 2020 already during the during the, the last year of the Trump administration. But they really, really took off yeah. in January, in January and February. So far, this fiscal year, which we're approaching the end of the fiscal year, uh, the Department of Homeland Security has ex- has made over five hundred and fifty thousand expulsions. Wow! Which, which is a lot. Yeah. 
We have a asylum backlog of over 1 million cases. Uh, the median completion time for those who are not in custody, uh, whether that means they are already living here in the U.S. and the government is keeping tabs on them while they process their case, or they are on the Mexican side of the border, the average median completion time for those cases is four years. Oh, my gosh. Mexico has stopped taking back. Some people the U.S. wants to expel. Shelters on the Mexican side of the border are full, mm -hmm. essentially. This is kind of reaching a inflection point. Yeah. But one of the things I wanted to mention is when Joe Biden was sworn in, he issued a flurry of immigration-related executive orders. He, you know, stopping the construction of the border wall, uh, ending the Trump, quote, Muslim ban. But one of the things he also did was ending the Trump administration's what they called the remain in Mexico policy. What the Trump administration had negotiated with the Mexican government was that people who showed up at border crossings on the southern border seeking asylum, they had to wait in Mexico while their case was resolved. Mm -hmm. The Biden administration ended that. They didn't allow people who were already remaining in Mexico to come into the U.S. They have to remain. Mm -hmm. However, what the Biden administration is also doing is they are maintaining a public health order instituted by the Trump administration and the CDC in March of 2020 at the start of the pandemic mm -hmm. that pretty much prevents mostly anyone from crossing the border unless they are already a U.S. citizen, a legal permanent resident. They are there on business. Mm -hmm. This is called, it's kind of the shorthand it's referred to as Title 42. Uh, it's shorthand for the Public Health Service Act, which is more than a law that's more than 70 years old. <laughs> it was designed... Two, give the U.S. government the right to prevent people who present at a port of entry with a communicable disease, like a quarantinable disease such as COVID-19 or probably way back when, you know, tuberculosis or something like that. It's someone who, in essence, poses a national security risk for public health reasons. The Trump administration put that in place in March 2020 to a lot of outcry from immigration advocates, civil liberties advocates saying the law was not designed, that you couldn't just issue a blanket order, which the CDC did, which was basically anyone at the Canadian or Mexican border is subject to this order. Mm -hmm. Someone who criticized it, you might, you might call him the current president of the United States. <laughs> um, but that, but that is still in effect now that we are almost six months into a, to this administration, there is a really a growing chorus of anger, I, for lack of a better term, coming from immigration and civil liberties groups for the administration to outline when they're going to end this because mm -hmm. the pandemic is ebbing in the U.S. for now. Uh, they're discussing reopening the U.S. and Canadian governments or discussing reopening the northern border. And the administration is kind of remaining tight-lipped on when they're actually going to end this. Department of Homeland Security says that they're just following the CDC order and that this is a public health issue and not actually an immigration issue. That's a nice bit of like bureaucratic buck passing. <laughs> yeah, that's a hot potato that nobody wants to hold on to. Yeah, and the CDC and, health and Department of Health and Human Services are kind of saying, well, you know, we're following the science. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be clear, we should do, but I, I see your point, that it's reaching the point where a decision has to actually be made 
um, given that risks are now much lower as far as COVID-19. Yeah. And so in, in essence, even though the Remain in Mexico policy ended, there is a trickle of asylum applicants being led into the country and attempting to be processed. Mm -hmm. The ACLU sued the administration, and then they've put that on pause because they've been negotiating with the White House. And so far, they've agreed to allow 250 asylum seekers a day into ports of entry. But that is, you know, that's like the tiniest tip Mm -hmm. of the largest iceberg. (laughs) And the vice president was in Guatemala just recently and I like this quote that she has. Uh, She said, the goal of our work is to help Guatemalans find hope at home. At the same time, I want to be clear to folks in the region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. I believe if you come to our border... You will be turned back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a <laughs> a clarity of statement that you don't often get from someone in that position. <laughs> also, yeah, uh, especially from a Democrat who yeah. said f- who talked far differently during election season. Mm-hmm. So right now, the asylum process is kind of at a it seems kind of at an absolute standstill. And I guess while we don't offer legal advice, <laughs> I would heed the vice president's words. Yeah. In this case. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because things are changing so rapidly at the border that it can be hard to to keep up. If we were talking about this topic in 2019, you know, we would have a whole different conversation about what was happening to people seeking asylum at the border. You know, this was the whole kids in cages and mm-hmm. what do you do with uh, chill, unaccompanied minors and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, then we had the remain in Mexico policy, which was another policy that was challenged in the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said that it was perfectly fine. So the remain in Mexico policy was what was going on at the border until Joe Biden came into office. And now that Joe Biden is in office, now the way that they're handling the flood of immigrants is to basically just accept them and then escort them out of the country per, Andy, what you were talking about, per Title 42. So any of the options that I discussed results in asylum seekers being turned away. Mm -hmm. It's just they get turned away in different ways. Um, And that's kind of been what it is. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, with a hug and a smile now. <laughs> I will note, I, I forgot to mention that the one exception to uh, what the administration is doing is that they they are not turning away unaccompanied minor children, mm-hmm. but children who show up with their families, anything like that, they are being turned away. And, and some doctors who work with the federal government have been criticizing what they call a very, that it is creating a sort of perverse incentive for families to separate themselves from their children and send their, and send their children to the border so that they can get in Mm -hmm. versus, you know, we had the Trump administration practice of separating these, these families, Mm -hmm. but now in essence, we could almost be incentivizing families to do it themselves if they want their kids to get to the U S. So it's a little bit of a mess, I guess, is the takeaway from this conversation. (laughs) You know, I, I do want to talk about some alternatives that have been floated because the issue is what do you do with these people who have a legitimate claim for asylum versus people who are just trying to get into the country? And what happens is that if you just say, okay, everybody come in, file your claim for asylum, and 
you know, we'll get to you four and a half years later. By that time, the person could be anywhere in the country and is not exactly incentivized to go through this process where they might have to leave. Mm -hmm. So a couple of ways that this could be done is to, one is to just speed up the process and just get more resources into immigration so that these cases can be handled more quickly and, and we can kind of separate the people who qualify for asylum versus those who don't more quickly because uh, it's much more likely that you'll show up to a, a court date if it's three months as opposed to four years. Mm -hmm. Another thing that the ACLU actually support was to give people tracking bracelets, almost like you would have if you were under house arrest, so that if you came into the country, we say, well, you know, we can't get to you in any reasonable amount of time, but you can come in but we need to know where you are. So, you know, we're going to need to have certain qualifiers for you to remain in the country. So those are those are options that are being floated. I'm not a politician, and so I'm not <laughs> going to say that I have the solution. But these are the kinds of things that we have to think about when we're talking about immigration policy is how do we get people to their court dates? How do we process all of the people that are seeking asylum and it, it's it's a very difficult situation to handle. So regardless of kind of your personal beliefs on asylum seekers we should let into the country, how do we get the people that we let in under the law as it currently stands versus the people who are just trying to come in and maybe are not going to seek legal status? And that's not a value judgment. That's just the way things are. Yeah. I do want to mention that a BuzzFeed report from a couple weeks ago where they obtained some government documents revealed that Homeland Security may be rolling out a proposed plan as soon as this month where they will essentially be taking the power to rule on an asylum applicant's fate out of the hands of immigration judges and directly into the hands of an asylum officer. This would expedite cases dr drastically. Yeah, it would. They would still have to go through the the quote credible fear screening, but that's most of the details for now. There's no if they're going to go through normal uh, like regulatory rulemaking, which would make it take a lot longer, or if they would try to claim some sort of existing authority to just go ahead and do this. Um, it would kind of unclog the immigration court system yeah. a bit. But I, th I also want to just note, though, what I always, you know, I've written a lot about immigration on behalf of lawyers here <laughs> at Fine Law over the last decade. And if you are listening and if you are an immigrant living in this country with or without documented status, if you know someone who is attempting to come to the U.S., get an immigration lawyer. Mm -hmm. That is the that is the kind of unofficial legal advice <laughs> I think that I could that I can offer is yeah. get, le get legal advice from an immigration lawyer. Mm -hmm. The process is incredibly convoluted and complex and minor paperwork errors can doom you. Mm -hmm. Immigration lawyers are passionate, dedicated people who have committed their careers to helping people access the American dream and they know what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. 
And that, folks, is how you answer your own question. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 